What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Ready to talk some NBA playoffs. We are almost set for the conference finals. We just have one game seven to go. Thankfully, it's a game uh, series. We probably didn't think it was going to go seven games. It's the Celtics and 76ers, but it's good to see the Celtics uh, digging in and, and putting that fight uh, fight on. But we before we get into that, we're going to have to start off with a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of medicine for me, a bit of a bit of a talking talking through talking through the pain of of my New York Knicks. We'll get into the Warriors and Lakers and Nuggets and Suns, but we gotta we gotta we gotta start with the with the, with the hard stuff. We gotta start with the the Heat taking out my Knicks in six games. If only Jalen Brunson hadn't turned that ball over and just we got got a basket out of it. I I I I find it so hard that it had to be him because I he's just he's the only reason we were even there in in the game he's the only reason we had made it to six games and then he's also the guy it's in his hands and unfortunately he makes the turnover to to ultimately cost us cost us the game in the end it, it was it was a tough tough one to take at the end but uh, Miami obviously obviously deserved it on the whole yeah that was a tough play because like they I mean they set it up perfectly he had that side of the court to himself he had a shooter flanking him and he had the option for a cutter and I I'm blanking right now on who was who was defending him last night, but it was just a Miami just did a great job collapsing as the as the cutters came. The next man over stayed disciplined. I mean that's that's Miami basketball. They stayed disciplined. They didn't make a mistake down the stretch. And I mean Brunson put in a beautiful game. That was that was gonna be a tough shot no matter what. Um oh, that was tough. That was tough. I mean what's I think we can walk away from this thinking two things. And I, I don't think this is a series necessarily where you're disappointed. And I, I think my and I, Miami just has played such insane basketball this whole this ever since the postseason started. And I mean, I, how are you feeling right now? It's pretty early to be like, well, let's look on the bright side because I mean, the Knicks like the Knicks legitimately had an argument to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's that's really really saying something. And it's it's a very different place to be in where you're disappointed that you didn't make it that far. But I mean, all things considered, given the outlook in the off season, kind of like wondering what things were going to look like. I thought first and foremost, Barrett, Randall and Brunson, they proved that they can play together. And Randall had his moments. Brunson had a lot of moments. He's clearly proven to be the guy. And Barrett's also, you know, he's hasn't done it consistently every single game night in night out, but He's he's shown when he needs to to show up in big game. He can do it. I mean, I, I'm at least happy for you guys that a lot has progressed from where I thought things were standing in the offseason. It's it's incredible. I would not have thought in a million years that you would have been here. Yeah, to get to this the level to be first of all, we win that first playoff series against the the Cavs, and then be in a position when obviously Butler only ended up being down one game, but when when he went down in that game, you're kind of thinking. The Knicks are in a really good spot to actually make the the conference finals here. They're not taking on the number one seed, Giannis Bucks. They're taking on a Miami team that have struggled all year, and they were in that in that great position. Maybe it was a an opportunity missed, but at the same time, this is kind of the first first time around for this team, and mm-hmm. all the the little signs that you want to see. Obviously, the ultimate disappointment that we didn't weren't able to do it is there. I'm not going to pretend it's not. But seeing what Brunson could do, seeing him take his game to the next level as the lead star on a team, 
seeing the way that the the trio came together with Brunson, uh, Randall and Barrett, especially in that game five, when they absolutely all had to perform and they had to win the game, they all delivered uh, a really huge performance and that, that kept them alive in the series. So it's all the little signs are good. Obviously the ultimate thing is disappointing. We, we didn't get the job done against the eight seed Miami team, but moving forward, you think, the signs are a lot brighter than I think anyone thought they would be coming into the, the the start of this season. Yeah. And the thing is it's to reduce it down. to you've lost against the eight seed doesn't put in perspective who the Miami heat are at all. And that's, that's unfair to any team that's lost to them this, thus far, because I mean, maybe not as unfair to the bucks because that that's a very different story, but for the Knicks, I mean, the, this matchup, was going to be tough and it just, and it came down to the wire and I thought it was going to go to seven, but I mean, Brunson, I mean, just to stick, stick on Brunson there leveling his game up. That feels like an understatement. That feels like an understatement. I, I, I did not see him being so dominant in the play. Yeah. It's like being not just like, you know, alternating between Randall and Brunson and Brunson playing off of, advantages created by bear like i i thought that there would be a level of of parity between those three but brunson has just so clearly came onto this team and shown leadership and not had to take like he's taken over not because he's forcing but because he's the best player on that floor and that i mean that changes everything for this team he's shown it throughout the regular season but for him to do it in the playoffs as well on this scene especially against the the competition he has like it's it's unbelievable, and I have to end that by saying you and every other Knicks fan needs to be disappointed in Stephen A. Smith for saying, I want Dane. You you got the point guard. You that is that is one of the hardest things to get is to get the point guard, is to get the playmaker. Like you have the guy who's making the engine run here in New York. And that 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 was I thought it was a stupid reaction from from Stephen A. Smith. I there, yeah, a lot I mean, that I, just... I don't see what the difference is there. Like, like yeah. look at what what was Dame going to do differently to putting up the forty-one points that uh, that Brunson put up last night, or the thirty-eight, uh, what was it, thirty-eight, nine, and seven in Game Five? What more is Dame going to do than that? Don't get me wrong, you're taking them on the whole. You're just looking at who 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 do you want? You want Brunson or you want Damian Lillard? Obviously, you're going to take you're going to take Damian Lillard if you have a choice between the two, but. We got Jalen Brunson in, and we're not going to give him up. And I don't want—I don't see a future really with a backcourt of of Dame and and Jalen Brunson working together, uh, for any sort of long term success. So there's we we ha- we are set in that position. Maybe there's other spots that we can look to to improve on. Maybe there's a move to be made for for some of the other guys within this team. But in terms of the point guard, in terms of Brunson. It's really disrespectful to what he has achieved this year and yeah. what he can achieve in the future to instantly say, "Okay, we want this. We want this point guard instead." Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, I just, I just brushed on it, but how does this playoff uh, performances from Barrett? How do you feel about him after, after this? Has he, has he proven to take strides enough in your mind to? I mean, ultimately, like if like if we're talking right now that you found. You found the guy to build around. If Brunson is that guy, then and Randall has proven that he's maybe he's that guy. Like, do you have enough there? 
you'd still see, you'd still need to see another bit of a, a jump on from Barrett, but I, I like the improvement I saw. I wasn't really expecting these sort of playoff performances we've seen from him after the regular season. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I, I I I like the adjustment that he's made in the playoff and the improvement that he's shown. It's it's definitely given more more belief looking ahead. The the question mark will still be around him going into next year, uh, depending what way he he begins this the the season. But I think he hasn't solidified himself as the guy who's going to definitely be a part of this Knicks uh, team moving forward. But he's definitely shown signs that like with the Knicks as a whole, weren't there even midway through the season, even coming towards the end of the regular season. Yeah. I think this is an oversimplification, but I think the one, and I'll get to the positives for sure, but like the the one thing that that does concern me about those three, that even though they did succeed offensively, like if you just look at the whole, the one thing that consistently is a problem is those three and the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, regular season for sure. That's there. There have been times at least one of them is going to do well from beyond the arc. But when things shrink down in the playoffs, all of them shot below thirty five percent. Both Randall and Barrett shot below thirty percent from three. And there's a lot of great things that they're doing, getting to the rim, operating uh, from mid range, and getting up on mismatches. I mean, that their size with both Randall and Barrett is overwhelming sometimes, but the shooting, especially if you have Brunson there, and the, like you were saying, if Brunson is that guy, Randall is an off-ball, or sorry, not Randall, but Barrett just playing off-ball. He had some games where he was hitting, but like for the most part, that just wasn't a shot that people were expecting. So, and again, I, I've said this year after year, I, I don't know the long-term need for a guy like him on this team, even though he's shown it. And that's not to say that he hasn't, he hasn't done well with what he's done, but to maximize the the greatness that we saw from Brunson, mm-hmm. to to maximize the physical dominance that we see at times from Randall, I just I I really I really struggle to see like where Barrett takes this team to the next level. I think he's more of an he's more you know he's a complimentary piece at, at best, and I'm saying that for a guy who averaged 19 points in the playoffs. I mean that that's I, I applaud him for what he's done, but. I don't know. That's just what I walk away feeling. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it and you say, if there was the option out there for them to get a guy who could maybe average 13, 14 points a game, but be a more consistent defender and a knockdown three-point shooter, you're thinking that might be a move that they would have to make. I don't know who that guy is. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup right this second. Can I I tell you two names who that would be? Go for it. Uh, Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly. Although IQ was, uh, I know I would have liked to have him in those last few games, but he was, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't at the same level in the playoffs that he was uh, in the regular season. Maybe Quinton Grimes, Quinton Grimes could, could, could do it. I, you kind of forget how how young this Knicks team still is yeah. with a lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys. So it's kind of, it could be an element of, of kind of wait and see, especially if we're looking at it this time next year. And they're in a similar sort of position, which they they should expect to be. Like I mean, the second round it should be the minimum now ex- expectation for this team going forward. So it, it it's definitely still a bit of a wait and see kind of project with this New York team because there's still a lot of a st- still a lot of young players in the team. Obviously, guys like Randall are a bit older. They should be looking to 
push on even Brunson's kind of uh, pushing on there to like 25 26 now he'll be looking to to really step on it in, in in his career but there's a lot of youth still in this team and there's no need to there'll be no need to panic and make any rash decisions in the in the offseason looking at this team yeah not at all not at all I I, I didn't want to get this into like a um <laughs> an offseason type of thing but it, it was it was interesting to see the challenges that they faced as a young team and to make it this far um and yeah, I think mostly running it back and and Grimes, man, like I, I was so just impressed with his, his constant effort, his constant intelligence on the floor, and you can see why the Knicks were so hesitant to to let go of him because he just he constantly was making the right plays, and you need guys like that. That's guys like him, guys like Josh Hart. I mean, those are guys you need in order to make it to a championship, and to see that out of a young guy like Grimes is just so impressive. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then what about what about Miami? Better better talk about the team that actually won the series for just a, just a little bit. You know? <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler again. Obviously, he was he was he was the difference maker in in the games that the Heat won. Game one, 25, 11 and four. Then game three, twenty eight points and twenty seven, six and ten. In game four, then last night to close out, twenty four, eight and four. He's just solid all around. Made big plays when he had to, and he. He he was he was the difference maker. As much as a lot of the role players stepped up in ways that maybe the Knicks guys didn't, Jimmy was uh, definitely the the steadying factor. He was always he was always there. He was always doing what he needed to do, and others just followed in suit. Yeah, and this th- this is kind of like a meathead take. <laughs> this is nothing to do with numbers, nothing to do with stats. But Jimmy Butler, you, you see you see players in the playoffs, and it's you always wonder like, when is this guy going to stop? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Suns in a bit, but having the motor and having the, the consistent effort and consistently making the right play and consistently dedicating yourself to a game plan. That's, that is just, that's the pinnacle of the mental challenge that is the playoffs is can you consistently do this at the highest level of competition at the biggest stage when everything matters? And it just doesn't phase guys like Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's, you you see, I mean, I, I put him, when you look at competitors, I put him in the same elk of, of Kawhi. I put him in the same elk of, of LeBron James. Like the, these these guys, they don't change. Like the pressure does not change. And like he's consistently competing at that level. And while you see guys like Tatum fade a little bit, even Embiid, Harden fades a lot. Um even Jokic at times over the past few years, I mean, he's he's really proved this year. Uh, so, just to, to preview a little bit, a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, I don't know if I don't know if Jokic is he's proving it this year." And a lot of people are taking that as an offense because of how dominant he's been. But I think there's that that's what it comes down to: is guys like Jimmy Butler, the true superstars in this league, they don't fade when it comes to the pressure moments in the playoffs. And he's just he's just delivered. And the Heat, I mean, they're knocking on the door, man. Whoever. Well, we'll talk about it a little in a second, but whoever makes it out of this uh, game seven here between Boston and Philly, like they're facing a Heat team that they don't see themselves as an eight seed. They don't. They don't care that they're the eight seed. Like they know that right now that they have the golden opportunity to make it back to the finals, and they believe they're going to make it back to the finals. They're playing like they're making it back to the finals. I mean, this this three point shooting streak that they're on, the way that Jimmy Butler's looking, and based of all Bam, how aggressive he's been. I mean, this Heat Heat team is geared up they're ready and i don't there's nothing fluky about this at all at all no not at all and like obviously the the additions they made like having larry coming off the bench he was really superb in the series against the knicks 
14 and a half points off the bench, just under six assists as well. Max Struess uh, consistently was hitting around 15 or 15 or 16 points a game. It was just other guys were, were stepping up that we didn't fully expect. We kind of expected it out of Jimmy uh, Bam, you could say, even uh, some of the other guys. But the fact that Hero, Hero was down and these other guys were able to step up in his absence without there really being any moment where you're thinking, oh, the team's really missing Tyler Hero or anything like that because of the way the rest of these Miami Heat players were playing. And it's a testament to them. It's a testament to the the coaching, this, the, the, everything about the Miami Heat team. You just have to be in awe of it. It's just so impressive, the culture surrounding this team, the way that they're built and the way that they're the mentality and the leadership with when you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, there's just there's it doesn't matter as long as you're there, you're you're a competitor in the playoffs. It doesn't matter that you're the AT, doesn't matter they lost that first game of the play in. They knew they were going to be in the playoffs and they knew they were going to be a really tough test. Now I doubted them. You questioned me all year. You told me not to doubt, not to question the Miami Heat. And you were absolutely right. I should not. I should not have doubted them. I should. I should never have questioned the Miami Heat. And I will. Uh, I will definitely do it again. But it'll probably be a mistake <laughs> then too. <laughs> I mean, it's like you. You weren't wrong to doubt them because on paper, I mean, they they were they were a bottom ten team in offense. I mean, their shooting didn't look great. All their Struess had an off year. Duncan Robinson was again not to be found, and Hero was fine. Hero was definitely improved. But Butler didn't look fully healthy. Adam Bio didn't look like he made a massive step. Kyle Lowry looked like a shell of himself. Like there's every reason not to believe in this team, but it's just it just is what it is, man. It's this team for whatever reason. I don't know if they just troll us during the regular season or not, but they always come prepared. Um, but to be specific on Bam, like last postseason, just he was a non-factor last postseason. He only attempted nine point seven uh, shots per game. Only average 14.8 points. And, you know, the biggest impact of that is just teams didn't have to really worry about him. I mean, they, they knew that once he caught the ball, I mean, he wouldn't really look for a shot. He'd look to pass and you could play off of him. And he's just been really aggressive, especially he really turned that up against the Knicks. I mean, he's, he's averaging 18 points per game and 3.5 assists. And the fact that he's taking 15 shots per game, that that is the impressive part for me now. And now he's he's really demanding attention defensively. You can't just leave him one-on-one in mid-post unless you got your big man on him. And that's important because if you are facing Embiid, if you're facing Rob Williams, Al Horford, like they need to take pressure off of the rim a little bit. Like they they can't have shot blockers in this next series um, just crashing in on Jimmy, just crashing on whoever's getting to the basket. And I mean, if the, if the heat shooters keep shooting the way they are, like they're, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem, huge problem for the 76ers. And I, and it's funny that whenever, and I don't know if you want to start talking about the Celtics now, but whenever, if we're just talking on paper, if you just line up the Celtics against anyone, I'm like, oh, that's fine. They're going to do great. But then you never know who's going to show up, what version of the Celtics is going to show up. Cause all of a sudden this, in this postseason things have looked a little different, but I mean, all in all, man, that Bam hugely improved. Butler looks like he doesn't want to have the name playoff Jimmy because he just hoops apparently, and this is just what he does. But I mean, th- this team, I mean, you gotta look out. That I, I think they could make it out of the East. The, the way they're consistently competing, which we're not seeing right now from the two teams that are competing to, to face them right now. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. They they probably look like the favorites right now. But moving on then to the to the game seven, the Celtics 76ers <laughs> tied at 3-3. We're heading to game seven. That last game, the 76ers, they 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 blew that. They 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 bottled that job. They 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 go down 95 to 86 when Jason Tatum was it 12 of his first 13 shots he missed? Yeah. And they lose the game. Yeah. I know he came up clutch in respect to Jason Tatum for doing that. He did not let it phase him, the struggles that he was having, and he came up <clears> and made <throat> big shots to, to close out this game for, for the Celtics, and that's what the best players do. But for Philly, I mean, Doc Rivers, if he had any hair left, he'd have been tearing it out. <laughs> I mean, it, it was uh, the way it worked out, and I think did Brown only have 17 points in that game as well? I mean, he, it he was... He did not play well now. Yeah, like the, the, the Celtics were not were there for the taking. Philly could have, if they really wanted it, they could have gone and, and they could have had that game. They could have been done in six and they could have been headed to the Eastern Conference Finals. But once again, little things worked against them. And like Embiid, I think it was the two shots in the final six minutes or something. There's been moments in this series where Embiid's looked great. But there's also moments where he's shrunk a bit and the defense has kind of had his number. And Harden, I don't want to criticize him too much because I think... He stepped up massively in the moments when Philly really needed him in this series. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you can't shrink to the level that he did in that game six with only the the 13 points. I think he needs to offer more than that. And then Tobias Harris, how has he only got two points in nearly 42 minutes? That's that's just crazy. That's so, so bad. (laughs) I mean, Tobias Harris is a guy you question all the time. He has to be, he's meant to be a two-way wing threat for this team. Really good defense, hits a couple of threes, a couple of maybe fast break plays, and he's, he's the odd game he's going to go off and have you like 20 points, but usually he should be somewhere around the 12, 10 or 12 mark. When he's out there all the time and he's getting loads of shots, he went one of seven from the field, and only one of those was a three-point attempt. I mean, that's just really, really bad. <laughs> I mean, yes. I don't know how you he's going to recover from that mentally. Hopefully, it doesn't have a big impact on him. Hopefully, it doesn't phase him. But they're going to look now, and it's going to be a question of, can Maxi? Maxi's liked it in Boston so far in this series. Yeah. He, he's loved it there, so maybe he can. they can rely on him again. Can Embiid really step up and have his playoff moment? Can Is Harden due for a bounce-back game? He, he usually likes to have a little drop off and then bounce back with a big performance. Can that happen again? It's going to be an absolute slugfest this game seven. Yeah. It's, it's going to come down to what Harden shows up Mm -hmm. and what Tatum shows up. And I mean, ironically, they've, they've kind of oscillated in the, in the same rate. Um, You see Harden get this 45 point game, game one. And then you see him get his 42 point game in game four. So, I mean, he's due, right? Like, based on the math, he's due. But Tatum, I'm too, like, he's he's really had his struggles in the in the postseason. I mean, his his pull-up shooting has dropped below 25%. And that's just, like, that's just one of the biggest points of his game is that you have a tough time figuring out pick and roll against Jason Tatum when he's such an elite pull-up shooter. But that's just really declined, and that, that's really taken away a lot from his ability as a playmaker when you can just play play a drop on him. And 
76, especially with Embiid, has done a good job figuring that out, even switching Embiid onto him at times. Um, he's just not really created a massive advantage for them on that end of the floor the way that I thought he might. Um, but on the 76ers end of things, Embiid not getting a touch in the last four minutes is is just unforgivable. Mm-hmm. And uh, m- more on that, too, that it's not just the fact he's not getting the touches. It's the spacing. And that's something that's just constantly just frustrated me about Doc Rivers is that I I don't know how overblown it is about about his his coaching because you know you, you see all the memes out there about he's it's true that he has lost the most three two leads in in the league um, and he's on the brink of doing it again really just solidifying his 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 lead in league history as the least clutch playoff series coach ever but just the simple things about. And, you know, you can't blame players for this sort of thing. Like when Ben Simmons was there, it was, it was tough to really blame Doc, but also the positions he was putting Simmons in in terms of the spacing and how it really messed things up for for Embiid. I mean, th- those are the same issues you see when you put Tobias Harris out there. He's in the same spots that you put Ben Simmons in that would really muck up the spacing. You see the same thing with P.J. Tucker. There's not a lot of emphasis on spacing. That's really important when you have Harden out there, really really important we have Embiid out there and just those fundamental things about just creating lanes for Embiid and Harden to run a pick and roll they didn't do any of that in four minutes where you needed to win a game and Harden and Embiid are the most of well, second to Jamal and and uh Jokic I mean that that's that's one of the most unstoppable pick and rolls right now and you just you just couldn't get into that you had four minutes I mean two two buckets two buckets and the the stops they were getting um and, and that that's game and that's the playoffs that's just it like you're you're right there and and then the ATL they had when, when I mean Horford had just an ama- amazing amazing strip on Harden just excellent defense especially after the clunky games he's been having um the fact they couldn't get a shot they they, they settled for a, a fadeaway a mid-range fadeaway from uh um god this guy can never get his I, I have such name finding difficulties with this guy you gotta help me out, Rodin. From from, uh, from the Grizzlies, man. The shooting guard from the Grizzlies. Melton. Who I really want to shout. Melton. Oh my gosh, dude. Every time we talk about Melton, I cannot remember his name. I need to like write his name on a sticky note and put it on my laptop. That is the one guy anytime. And I love talking about Melton, man, because like the, the defensive job, the assignments he's been given, whether you put him on Brown, whether you put him on Tatum, the job he does on Tatum is just, it's, it's mind blowing. A guard that size is putting that much pressure on Tatum and forcing him into so many poor shooting nights. But I mean, offensively, that that was a shot Doc Rivers got was a fadeaway from DeAnthony Melton from mid-range. I mean, it's down the stretch, you just see too many times the 76ers collapse and Embiid not get a shot. And I'm not going to blame Embiid for that all the time. Like, I, I you got to put blame on that for for Doc. Like, what what is the play call here? What what is the set? Because the spacing's not there, the play isn't there, Embiid's not getting the touch, and too many times has happened where you're just looking and where was Embiid? Because he's not getting the ball. And you can't cannot have that in game seven. No, absolutely not. I think and as well with this Philly team, this could be the best opportunity they have of making it to the conference finals, especially in Embiid's time with with the team as a as a playoff competitor. This Celtics team are not are not humming like they were in the playoffs last year. Tatum and Brown are not playing like they were in the regular season. 
if Philly were ever going to pull it out of the bag, this is this is the time to do it. This is their opportunity. They may just they will really come to regret it if they don't do it this year. I think I think this is the the moment for them. This is the chance, and especially when they're going and playing against the Miami Heat. Not that the Miami Heat would be easy to roll over or anything, but the fact that they won't be having to take on Giannis and the Bucks if they were to make it to the conference finals. That's a huge. The opportunity is there. Just a question now. Do the 76ers want it? Can their guys step up in the biggest moment? Can Harden do something that has long been pegged against him that he can't do? Step up in the clutch moments in the playoffs? Can Embiid be the dude? Can he have his playoff moment, his career playoff moment? Hopefully the the first of many for him in this in this game seven. Where did Tatum and Brown go? Can they have a bounce back at home? Can they just feel the energy in that building? Because we know the... Celtics home floor is one an absolute cauldron. You, if you're a Celtics player playing on that floor, you should absolutely love it, and you should be able to feel like the best version of yourself playing on that floor. If you truly are, if you truly are a guy, if you truly are a Celtic, you you can't. I don't see how you can't perform on that level in uh, playing at home and in a game seven. The noise is going to be just electric. It's going to yeah. be so tough for for Philly to to deal with. And if Brown and Tatum want it, it's there for them. Hopefully, Brown Tatum. After the the way he closed out the uh, game six, he he could be ready for a, for a hot one in uh, in game seven. In recent memory, James Harden has not performed well in game sevens. This is a major point of redemption for him. And you look back uh, against Milwaukee, twenty twenty one, shot thirty percent in that game. Twenty two nine and nine, they lose. Bucks advance, win the championship, and against OKC. 2020, he shot 26%, gets bailed out by Chris Paul, Rockets advance. And there's no Chris Paul in this game. There's no there's no Kevin Durant, but there is Joel Embiid. But Joel Embiid needs, needs Harden to be on his game for him to not just get completely, completely washed out here. So, I mean, they're going to they're gonna force it to Harden. And that if I'm making a game plan, I'm doubling hard. I'm doubling and beat early, and, I, and I'm making Harden do the work. And it's going to be on him. And if if history shows they're going to force Harden to be great this game, and it's make or break it. I mean that this would I mean easily solidify everyone's opinion that you know Harden's not a clutch guy. He doesn't do it in game sevens, and he hasn't proved it in the last three years. And really, he hasn't proved it in his career at all. I mean, three and two, one of those games bailed out. Actually, two of those games he's bailed out. Um, one of those is with uh, the Thunder, with Russ and KD. So really, as the lead guy, he hasn't been able to do it, and this this is his time. If if he's going to prove anything right now, I mean, this is going to be the biggest game for his legacy late in his career, and this might be one of his last chances ever to do it, depending on what happens in the offseason. Who knows? But this is a huge game for for Harden. So the Celtics are going to be there year in year out, but for Harden, this this is. This is kind of it. This is his ticket to to changing a lot about his legacy. Um, we'll see if he's up for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You want to you want to make a call? Who, who you got in Game Seven? Uh, I mean, all that all that said, <laughs> and th- this is such a dumb reason, man. It's it's such a dumb reason, but I mean, he had an amazing game. He's had an amazing game every every uh, three games. <laughs> game one, Game four. I mean. Is, is is that what it takes? He just needs a couple nights off. Um, 
but I, I, I have to go with the smart decision, no pun intended. But, I mean, the Celtics have all the firepower. They just need to focus for one game. Yeah. Focus for one game. That's it. The Celtics need to win this, and they will win this because they're the better team. They're playing at home. Jalen Brown is not going to call out the Celtics fans for not for not being loud and then put up a stinker. I mean, he better not because that was pretty bold of him to be to be saying uh, that the Celtics fans need to get louder when they've they've uh, not really performed as of late. But I, I believe in the Celtics still. I believe they're supposed to be they're supposed to be in the finals. It should be uh, a Lakers Celtics, but we'll talk about why that might not happen later. Yeah, but uh, before we get into that, I'll, I'll, I'll probably lean towards that with you as well. I think uh, when it got to a game six for both Philly and and the Lakers, in both situations, it felt like it was must-win game six. The Lakers obviously got the job done. Philly couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back on the road in a game seven, I think they 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 probably missed their opportunity, and the Celtics are going to have enough to get the job done. That being said, though, can, can Harden change, rewrite history for himself? Can Maxi sustain his greatness that he's shown in Boston this series? Can Embiid really show up? If that can happen, the the, the 76ers obviously have a shot, but I think you're right. The 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 firepower is with, with Boston. The favoritism has to be with Boston. I think they're in uh they're they're in a very good position to go and win that. But then moving out west then, Lakers Warriors, Lakers got the job done, very comfortable, very comfortable game six victory. Looked there, uh, looked really good in that game. Obviously, this is a, a weird kind of series where the both <laughs> teams had uh, blowout wins. Uh, both teams had great performances followed by really poor performances, and then ultimately the Lakers come out on the right side of it. LeBron just took over last night. Just really came in clutch, efficient. 39 and 9, two steals, a block, 10 of 14 shooting, two uh two or three from deep. Look looking really good. Uh getting everything that he wanted. Everything went through LeBron James and ultimately the Lakers won won with ease. AD obviously didn't have to have the big monster game he needed to, but he still had 20 rebounds, 17 points, couple of steals, couple of blocks. Reeves had another great game. This Lakers team, they just getting con- contributions from so many different different players and when LeBron's able to take over he can be still be that guy when AD is on form he's still he's been the best defender in the playoffs by a mile he's been absolutely dominant and then when he feels like it he can be the best two-way player in the playoffs too it just doesn't happen too often but he when he when he's dominating the boards like he is I said for this series he had to beat Looney on the on the boards he ultimately Played Looney out of the out of the starting lineup. It worked out that way, and he definitely beat him on the boards, and he was able to dominate in that way. And they ultimately did enough to to get the series win. The champs are out. We're gonna have new champions in twenty twenty three. Yeah, that's true. That, that's uh, I, I didn't even think about it that way. And and I think the the shocking thing for me, uh, is just looking back throughout the Warriors' history that this is a team that every time they've made the playoffs. They've made it to the finals every single time. And this is a year of first because they've never been down 2-0 against Kings. Like the Kings really pushed them to the brink. Um, and you can speculate how taxing that was on the Warriors, how taxing that was on Curry, um, how taxing it was on Clay, who, you know, he's, he's not played a full season yet since his injury. And this, this is a change. And they, they've only gone down 3-1 before. And that was an infamous year that they 
beat KD and KD came back to them the next season and the rest was history. But the Lakers really, they're, they're proving everything we talked about. If we're sticking on the Lakers here, they, they proved everything we talked about at the end of the regular season that they looked like they were primed and Darvin Ham needs his credit for all the, all the adjustments he has, he has made throughout that series. I mean, the reason it, it went back and forth so much is because of, you know, how they, especially AD, I mean, everything tilted on AD, even though he had off nights offensively, I mean, everything in this series was about about Anthony Davis, in my mind, is how how just like game breaking he is as a rim protector, how game breaking he is, um, you know, switching out on the shooters and how uncomfortable he makes an entire team just getting to the rim. And the Warriors did a lot to, to combat that with with their screening, rescreening, with um how much they pulled Anthony Davis out to the three-point line in the middle of the series. But I think as a team, they the Lakers really came together. And, I mean, Schroeder came up clutch defensively. Austin Reeves, the way that he just stayed on the floor. I mean, that, that's, that sounds like a pretty lame uh, compliment. But you could keep this undrafted guy, a, a guy that, you know, I, I think we had zero expectations for for the new year. And definitely not these expectations even – when he we were giving him praise as a great role player. I mean, this guy defended Steph Curry. This guy hit shots when it mattered. This guy continued to make the right pass. Continued, I mean, even fighting for boards. I mean, this guy's done everything. So just and then another quick shout out. Who showed up two games ago? Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere in the fourth quarter. I mean, they they their role players have just really delivered and they were ready. I mean, these guys are not going to deliver every single night, but somebody's going to step up to the plate. And that's the exact opposite from what you saw from the Warriors. And that is why the Lakers are going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And that's why the Warriors this offseason are going to have really big questions to answer because Jordan Poole, I mean, just looked like a shell of himself after promising postseason last year. And, and like I said, that's that's my big question for, for us here is like what – I mean, we could sit here and talk about it. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more when we're talking Lakers, Nuggets, and look look at how that, that series might play out. But I can't help but sit here and think about who's who's not going to be on the team next year because th- this was this was ultimately a failure in my mind. Um, I know Giannis doesn't like that word. But <laughs> you, you got Steph in the prime of his playoff performances. He just looks as good as ever. I mean, he's, he's – uh, I mean, really – you got Booker, you got Jokic, you got Stad, the way that Steph's playing. Like, he's one of the best players in the league right now. And they couldn't make it through. So who's who's gone? Who do you who do you, who do you leave out of here? I feel like Green Green is kind of one that's nagging at me. Not that he's been an issue or anything like that. I just feel like there's something that, even just the way that he's coming out and saying he wants to be a, a, a warrior for life, I think that makes me feel like they're going to, they're gonna uh, they're gonna move on from him. I think Poole's got to go. I just think mm. everything about him, the aura around him, uh, his like personality within the the locker room and everything just does not seem to work. And I think they're gonna have to move on from him. I don't know what way they'll look to work it. I'm not sure where they'll look to to add. But I mean, like you said, this is a real disappointing game. Like that that game six last night. Wiggins has six points. Green has nine. Clay has eight. Poole has seven. Like. Even like Steph struggled struggled massively from three point range, but he still had thirty two points. None of the other guys could get anything going without their three point shots falling. 
And obviously that's the difference between Steph and the and the role players, but other guys they have to be able to to step up and contribute, like the likes of Reeves, like Lonnie Walker. You're gonna tell me that Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins aren't aren't as good as these guys? No way. They've they've proven it time and time again that they are. They just they just failed to step up. Clay especially was disappointing because I mean game six Clay, it's real. Like game six Clay is real. And last night he and he just couldn't get anything going, and it, it it was it was it was disappointing. It's hard to go in on him too hard because I mean, sometimes the shots just aren't falling. But on the whole, I think Clay was a bit, a bit disappointing over the course of the series. He had a couple of good games, but for the most part, he wasn't the the number two that uh, that Steph needed him to be, and that's a, a difference to why. To why the Lakers were able to get the to get the job done here, but it, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Warriors. They could so easily run it back the exact same way, but I think at least Jordan Poole will be moved on from this team. Yeah, it's I think best for both both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that I think it was it was really a trickle down effect because Clay Clay's taken the most threes, the most shots that he has in his career in the playoffs. And that, not even talking about his shooting percentage there, that shouldn't be the case on a team where theoretically you've built a team that's quote-unquote bridging. A bridging team with young depth. team that's supposed to, to get out and run and get more shots up because they got young guys out there. And I I, I really believe in the wisdom of, of Steve Kerr, so I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's not playing guys who are ready. I think he would be playing guys who are, but I, I think that was that was always going to be the core problem with having a lot of your assets in guys who are not ready to compete at this level, like your Kamingas. Uh, I mean, Moses Moody had his his moments here and there, but guys who can consistently get out there and confidently compete at this level. And Clay shouldn't have had to take that many shots. And that, that the frustrating thing though, like he got he got a lot of good looks last night. Yeah, he had a lot of good looks. He had a lot of opportunities and just didn't deliver. And I, I don't believe in this clay this clay game six thing. I don't. I really don't. Uh, Want me just list off some stinkers he's had? He's had a lot of game sixes actually. Eight points last night. Twelve points against Boston in twenty twenty two. Nine points against the Clippers in twenty nineteen. Five points against Cleveland twenty fifteen. Nine points against Clippers twenty fourteen. 10, 7, in that same year. So I don't, I don't know how real that is, guys. I mean, he's had some crazy, crazy games for sure, for sure. I mean, he's had a few 30-point games, a 40-point game, infamously against OKC, which is, you know, where that that well, term got coined. have enough of the crazy ones. Dude. Yeah, yeah he, that's all people remember. the bad ones, you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he wasn't, like, due. And so it's it's insane that people thought that. But, I yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame to see Curry go out, but I think LeBron, LeBron might have made this the last time they have this team as currently constructed ever face a three-one deficit. Because I think there's gonna be major changes um, and a little housekeeping on the Warriors, which we'll probably see in the offseason. But they don't know who's if Bob Myers is gonna stay there as GM, and that is what matters to that whole question. Because if Bob Myers is gone, you got a new GM in. That's when you're gonna really see the reconstruction of this team, but. More, more on that later. Um, Curry had a great run, but focusing on the Lakers, focusing on the the team that won. Where, where do you want to go? You want to talk about Suns? You want to talk about 
Lakers, Nuggets. Well, I could talk before, all day about the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll get into the Nuggets Suns and then we'll look at the Lakers Nuggets as a as a matchup itself. The Nuggets obviously took care of the Suns in six games as well. Ultimately, just wore down the the Suns offense. I mean, that game six, KD and Booker were combined twelve of thirty two. 23 points and 12 points respectively. KD didn't have a single three-point field goal attempt. And the Nuggets were up by 30 points at the half. Just like in game 7 last year, the Suns just capitulate when it gets to the to the big the, to the big uh, to the biggest moment and when you have a team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you should never be down by 30 points. It's that was just embarrassing respect to the Nuggets they were Unbelievable! They absolutely dominated. Jokic just had an absolute field day in this series. Even with Aiton on the court, on the court, he was getting whatever he wanted, and it happened again. Then in uh, in Game Six, without Aiton, didn't really make too much of a difference, really, to me. I think Jokic was going to have his way, regardless of who the Suns had out there on the floor. But I mean, the Nuggets just played that. Played them in a way that I didn't think would work. I didn't think it would, they would have su- the success that they did with it. It was really, really impressive from Denver. Yeah, I mean, throughout the series, a lot of things to cover. I think this is probably the most fascinating series I've I've seen in in forever. I mean, it's so crazy to see how how back and forth it was, but how the Nuggets weathered the storm. Um, and just to comment on this flop, I mean, this. I don't I'm not willing to say that two times is a pattern because I mean it's that's not how patterns work, but it looks oddly familiar to last year. Even uh <laughs> I I didn't say this. this is someone on Twitter, uh, but someone said in jest that this is the second year in a row that a fat Eastern European walked into the, the Suns Arena, took a steamy dump <laughs> in a in an elimination <laughs> game. And it, it looks oddly familiar because at halftime you're staring at a near 40 point deficit and they just had no answer and they looked gassed. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple things are reminiscent. I think the defensive effort was reminiscent. It, it felt like they were ready to lose halfway through the second quarter, even in the, even at the end of the first quarter. And it felt like Booker was tired because Chris Paul wasn't there. That's oddly reminiscent. Chris Paul was not able to perform. And in this game, was not able to play. And I mean, more on that with whatever the Suns end up doing. But ultimately, I, I think this is this was one of the biggest wastes of a playoff heater ever. I mean, Devin, but can we just take the time right now to like give a hand to Devin Booker? that this was one of the craziest runs in recent memory. And I'll, I'll put this into perspective. So you had 33 point, 33.7. So we'll round up, give them 34 points. 30 points for game, 34 points for game on 61, 51, 87 splits. On nearly 30% usage. And this was not, this was not catch and shoots. This was not just getting easy runs of the rim. This was him getting doubled. This was him getting trapped. This was him splitting double teams. This is him pulling up. On pull-ups, he took 90 shots from mid-range. He made 47 of them. And he took 44 pull-ups from three. He made 21. Like, that is insane volume on really difficult shots. And nobody nobody since early MJ has done that. I, I looked back 
Kobe never reached that insane efficiency in his runs in the playoffs. I mean, he, he was he was there every year, so I mean, we're not we're not doing a whole Kobe versus Booker thing. Let's not do that. But I mean, he literally he pulled flashes of early MJ from eighty eight to ninety. The kind of efficiency he was working with, the kind of difficulty of shots, like we haven't seen that in a generation. So it's it's really disappointing to see that, especially when you got KD flanking you. Um, so KD definitely struggled. Uh, what, what do you think the reason was that? It's tough to it's tough to really nail it down. It, it just the, obviously the the defense was good. They 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 were the Nuggets defense was was good. It, it wasn't anything overly complicated. It, it just it was just a question of we are going to make sure that we put every ounce of pressure on this duo that we can and hope that it works and it ultimately did. I didn't think it was I thought the the offense would overpower the defense and while I still thought the Nuggets would get the job done, I didn't think they would be able to close them out like they did. I didn't think that KD and Booker would whimper like they did, but the Nuggets just had an uh, unbelievable game plan to wear these this duo down. And I, I I was talking to a Nuggets fan in work, and he actually said it to me <laughs> before the game six. He was like, "Ah, oh, they're tired. They're they're worn out. The Nuggets have worn down these guys. They they don't have it. They the Nuggets are going to win this easy." And I was like, oh, I don't, "I'm not so sure, man. I don't think that's going to happen." And that's exactly what happened in uh, in game six. It was just a uh, a game plan drawn up and executed to perfection from Denver Nuggets, from coach to from board, from board to the court. It, it just worked all the way through. Yeah, and the, the last I think the the biggest thing for me was his the turnovers. Like he wasn't able to get in a rhythm. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's multifactorial. It's it's not. I think it was definitely Denver's defense, how physical they were. It's definitely Kevin Durant not being. I don't want to say fully healthy, but you know he hasn't. He's just been getting back into the flow of things right as the playoff starts, and it's the fact that he has no chemistry with these guys yet. I mean, he's only had eight games in the regular season with this team. And I think that's where you see the live ball turnovers happening. Um, you had four turnovers in this last game, five turnovers in the game before that, five turnovers in the game before that. You had seven turnovers in game one. Like he was not able to be the playmaker that we've seen him be. And I think a lot of that's, you know, him playing with pace. He did admit that like the Suns wanted to push. But the ironic thing about pushing is, you know, Kevin Durant's not, I mean, he's not a pace guy. He, He's a rhythm guy. He wants to get to his spots. He's going to be methodical. Having him race up the court, I mean, that that was Booker did an amazing job of that all series long, really, really pushing the pace. But that, that's not really KD's game. And I think that pressured him a lot to try to make the right pass. And I think not having the chemistry with his teammates, I mean, guys too who are not used to contributing at a high level like that, I mean, that's where you have your your Cam Johnsons. That's where you have your, your Mikhail Bridges. You know, that, that's where you have your, your Jay Crowders. Those guys used to the moment and used to the chemistry, and they didn't have that stabilizing force outside of them. So it was literally just, it, it felt like just KD, felt like just Booker. I mean, you had one Landry Shamit game, and then that was it. And as opposed to the Lakers, I think the Lakers had a lot of guys who were ready to step up in the moment, and Phoenix, albeit they had a collection of guys, you know, I, I would not have been surprised if, you know, one of one of them stepped up, like a, a Terrence Ross game, a TJ Warren game. You know, the Landry Shamit had his campaign, did did have his game there in 
the other night, but nobody else, no, nobody else showed up. And if with I the amount the state, of, you know, <laughs> yeah. So they have a lot of questions. They got a lot of free agents coming up, uh, a lot of one-year contracts that are fizzling out here. Chris Paul's got a player option, and I think I, I want to talk about Aiden. Like, where, where do you go from here? How do you feel with him in this series? Because you're right, Jokic had whatever he wanted. Yeah, that that had to be a big worry, a big eye opener for for this Suns team, seeing the way that Jokic just absolutely destroyed DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton might as well not have been there on on half the plays. Like he, there was yeah. it was that much of a domination from Jokic. And I know there isn't many around that can slow down Nikola Jokic, but the way that he was dominated, uh, that that will probably have to worry the the Suns moving forward. I think Monty Williams will definitely be, will definitely have that on his mind moving into the off season. I don't really know what they could do. I mean, we already see in talk that like he's obviously already met with the, I think he said the general manager of the Suns talking about how he can be a better basketball player, all this sort of stuff. But I'm like, is he just not at the level? Is he going to be a guy who could be a decent role player on another team, but not a starter on a competitor? And I can't really see, I, I'd be surprised if they just moved him to the bench or anything like that. Mm. I don't know if it's that steep of a drop-off, but the way that he was dominated by Jokic, the Suns would have to think of the future now, and they've made the moves to be competitor now. That means they have to do what they can to be a better matchup for Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. That's yeah. that's and what they have to look at from now. It's it's It feels like the addition of Kevin Durant has kind of muted what Aiden's importance was. And I think a lot of that's on the offensive end mm-hmm. and Aiden's a finesse player. I mean, he's proven that like everything that you want from Aiden right now. And the reason why Jock Landell is in there, because I mean, Landell is, he's going to, he's going to bang in the paint. He's going to throw his body into Jokic. He's going to, I mean, the, the amazing thing about Jokic is that no matter how much physical pressure you put on him. He's just a massive guy and he doesn't care. He's going to, he's not going to lose his touch. And he's not going to lose his cool. And, but it was the response that you were looking for. And Aiden shrunk from that. Yeah. Aiden, Aiden did not fight through that. Landale fought through that. And that's why Landale sent Aiden to the bench. I think it was in game three, game three or game three. And I applaud Aiden for playing through that injury. It seems like he, he really played through a lot of pain last game, but he did not have the toughness for your seven footer that you needed in a key series like this without Chris Paul there. And that has nothing to do with him getting introduced even before that, but the the pressure that he put on Jokic was not enough. The is fighting for boards, fighting for position and, and even just protecting the rim. There's just all the things that he's not, that's not necessarily his calling card. He can do it but that's not what he's there for. And those are the little things you desperately need from a player that's going to play alongside Booker and Durant. Like that's, that's the kind of thing they those kind of contributions and to be investing that much money. And that that's going to be the GM question this summer. It's like, can that much money be dumped into a player that isn't necessarily really adding to the playoff, the championship potential of this team? The kind of similar question I was asking about Barrett is, is that, are these players, this is the evaluation you need to make after a playoff run. Are those guys really going to add to what the ultimate goal is here? And it's another season of him proving that, you know, he's a talented guy for sure. Absolutely. Top 10 center, maybe. Yeah. But 
on this group, this isn't a long-term fit. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul is proven he's not a he's not going to be there in the playoffs when you need him. And you just dumped everything for KD. And so this is going to be a massive, massive overhaul for the Suns. Um, yeah. Yeah, lots, lots, lots of adjustments we made, possible moves as well. It's going to be an interesting offseason for for both the Warriors and the Suns. It, it feels like it's it's not one where you're like, oh, my God, panic. They have to change this, have to change that. But there's definitely smart moves that need to be made for them to be in a better position to get back to competing next year. And then what about the Nuggets? Before we look at their their series coming up with the Lakers, just how good have they been in this in this playoff so far? With every game, it just slowly looks like they're becoming the the favorites for the title. I was not overly confident heading into the playoffs, but with the series with the with the T Wolves, and then looking how they just dismantled this Phoenix Suns team, it's been it's been scary impressive from this team. And the way Jokic is performing, the way Murray's back looking back to his best. The contributions they're getting from the likes of KCP, the way the defense is working as the whole, this Nuggets team is scary. Yeah, they're they did so many things well. And before we dive into the obvious, I just need to point out that the players that are going to go unnoticed, um, not to Nuggets fans, not not to people who are really watching, paying attention, but you know, over the years, you're just waiting, get, get Jokic help, get another star there, blah blah blah. Um, they resign, they extend MPJ. And he's he's been huge. They get Aaron Gordon, not really blockbuster, but look what he's done. Look 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 at the defense he's played. Look at how how physically overpowering he's been to whenever teams want to play small. And then you look at Casey. KCP was looked at as just a that's a salary dump. He's been one of the most important players and most consistent shooters in the playoffs. Playing one on one defense against Kevin Durant. You know who else is playing one on one defense on Kevin Durant? Bruce Brown. Yeah, mid level except he literally got him for essentially free on the. On the I market. knew he was after watching him with the Nets last year. I knew he was going to be a great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and it is. It was such like a nerdy little thing we talked about in the offseason, like oh Bruce Brown and the Nuggets. But look in the playoffs, man. Like that guy is is just perfect, absolutely perfect in a in a Jokic team, and got him for nothing, literally nothing. And he's just been amazing. The defense he's played and his ability off the dribble too. He's gotten so much more confident, not just. Um, being like a role man, which is what was got him really popular in uh, Brooklyn, but not just a role man, like giving him the ball. I mean, he's going to run a couple pick and rolls. He's going to run some handoffs with Jokic. He's going to shoot off the ball too. He's been a fine shooter, but the defense too. I mean, he without him, I, I don't think they wear down Booker. Not I don't. Th- I know they don't wear down Booker without Bruce Brown. Absolutely not. And last but not least, like this is a classic late first round pick for a really smart organization that's trying to contend Christian Braun and that, that guy who nobody's talking about him out of the draft. Nobody's talking about him in the regular season, but he consistently got minutes consistently played defense. And you see that in the playoffs, you you can throw a rookie onto KD. You can throw a rookie onto Booker when they're both in the heat of the playoffs. And that that's really impressive. So I, I didn't want to miss on talking about those guys before we talk about the greatness of, of Jokic and Murray, but just as a whole, the depth of this team is so undersold for a team that was we looked at as one of the least deep teams last year because of all the injuries. But they're they do look like the favorites in my opinion, just because of how deep they are and how intense they can play defense. Like the defensive intensity wore down the hottest shooting streak in the playoffs that we've seen in years. Yeah, yeah, like that was I was 
insanely impressive the way that they were able to to break down Devin Booker, the way they would slow him down, slow Kevin Durant, two of the best scorers in the entire NBA, and they were able to really cool them off to an extreme level and and do it so that they were able to to close out the the series with ease. And then obviously we I I questioned Jokic before before the playoffs. Could he be that thirty point per game scorer in a winning team? Absolutely, he can. He absolutely has dominated in these playoffs. Is Jamal Murray still at the level that he was back in the bubble? Uh, yes, he actually is. He can. He's right back playing some of the best basketball of his career, showing again that he's a guy who thrives when it gets to the big moments, thrives when it gets to the playoffs. Averaging near 26, 5, 6.5 uh, assists, shooting just under 40% from three. Some of his passing has been really impressive. I've really noticed that a lot, uh, in the, especially in the series against against the Suns. And he can score when he needs to. He's really been really good, taking difficult uh, three-point shots. He gets his open looks too, but he takes some of the difficult shots as well that you know that a Jokic isn't, isn't going to hit for you or that MPJ might not take off the dribble and that. And, he, and, he's, and he's making them. They're, they're a different... He's a difference maker for this team. And I think... The way that they're both playing, and I think Jokic is going to have more trouble in this series, but that's going to lead to potentially more open looks for the likes of Murray, MPJ, KCP. Yeah, and I and I my initial bias for like looking at this matchup was to think that same thing. Jokic is going to have trouble. Why do you think that is? Anthony Davis is the best defender in the in the NBA at this left in the playoffs at this moment. Left in the That's playoffs, it. but but in the first round, who did Jokic make look like a terrible defender? Yeah, Gobert's not a, not his man, not the man at the moment. Oh, okay. If we're, all right, we're talking about the whole. Obviously, there's a discussion we had about AD versus Gobert, but Gobert as a post defender, as a rim protector, should have completely muted Jokic, and Jokic made him look like a, a rookie out there. That's true. And the the way that Jokic blew through. Gobert, the way that he really, I mean, I think Jokic is a special player, man. Like he, he's that kind of guy that defense doesn't, defense doesn't matter. Not just because it's not because of his talents, because of his IQ. And, and that's, and that's what I, that's what really struck me about the series. And that's why I understand why that they're, maybe the terminology is wrong when, when some of these talking heads are, are saying like, he's proved to blah, blah, blah. But I, I forget who said it. It was Jalen Rose said, He's officially superstar now. That was that was stupid. Like he's been a superstar for the past five years now, but he has proven to be an unstoppable player. Yeah, I will clarify now. When I say he's gonna, I think he might struggle a bit more. I'm, I'm talking like he might only average like 26 points a game, but he'll be up there <laughs> with like 12, 13 points. That's what I'm talking. When I'm talking uh, his struggles, he might not be, he won't be as dominant as he was in the last series. I think he'll. This will be this the sternest matchup that he's faced, and he'll also have to be better defensively going up against AD. That for sure. Yeah, you can't. We can't remember that game Embiid had against Jokic in the in the regular season. That second yeah. half performance, the AD can do that to Jokic in two or three games at least in this series, and that that if that happens, that that gives the the Lakers an edge. Yeah, I I think uh, that that's going to be the difficult difficult piece is they're facing a very different beast here. They're, they're going to be asking their wings to, instead of matching up man on man with Booker and KD to try and harass 
and pressure Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But I think that that's, that's going to be the battle there. So Lakers are not stopping Jokic on the offensive end. I mean, Murray and Jokic, I'll just throw some numbers out there. I mean, you throw the ball out of Jokic's hand as a screener. This is an insane number. I'll, I'll put it in perspective. Like he's, he's, this is far and above any other, any other uh, screen man. He's 1.24 points for possession. That's ungodly on when he's, when he's screening and when he's cutting 1.17 points for possession, they, they, no matter what action you're putting Jokic in, when you boil it down, they're scoring. You, you double him. That's a nightmare that that's anyone's going to be scoring the court. You take the ball out of his hands. He's cutting his screening. And as a shooter, I mean, the, the shooting is crazy to me from, from Jokic. Uh, he's shooting over 40% now, 48% from three. I mean, halfway through the season, that was like kind of, that was something that's kind of fallen away. He was shooting below 35%. And then he ended the season shooting 38. And now he's jumped up. Like it's, it's mattered now. So nothing you're going to do right now um, is going to pressure Jokic. Also, I want to say he's leading the league by a staggering amount in offensive rebounds and f- has 40 putback points right now. There's no one even close to that. And, but the defense, yeah, that that's, that's something that's going to be worrisome. Um, how, how do you think they're going to deal with uh, with Davis then? Who do you put on him? I, I guess we, we would you see the likes of – I don't think they're, they're not going to do anything with like MPJ or anything, but I think you could no. see K, KCP, Bruce Brown. I know they're, they've got a serious height deficiency on that, but you could see them – you could see them kind of making the push uh, in on that in terms of like doubles and that, getting around Jokic, getting those quick hands around there. So if AD's just focused on him, they've got someone else in there that can just that can that can strip the ball and, and different things like that. I think it, it's going to be a tough matchup. I think they're in game one. I think they'll they'll give Jokic the benefit of the doubt and they'll see what he can do, see what what way AD decides to if he wants to show up or not. But something's gonna have to give in this game. I believe both teams are six and zero at home in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is something gonna have to give here? The Lakers have won Game One in the previous two series to to flip the switch on uh, on home advantage. Can they do that again? Will Will they be able to with this Nuggets team? They're just as dominant as a home team. They are the most dominant team currently in the playoffs. It's just gonna be such a fascinating matchup. I, I'm. I'm Tempted to give the Lakers just the edge, even though I just believe that AD can can dominate enough to give the the Lakers that little bit bit more advantage than uh, than the Nuggets can on uh, on the Lakers. But I think at the same time, if the the team defense of the Nuggets is at the same level as it was in the series against the Suns, then you have to favor. Then you'd have to favor the Nuggets. Yeah. If they can, if they can really, if the Lakers can pressure the pick and roll, that, that would change a lot. Hmm. If, if eighties and in, in drop coverage is going to really take away Jokic's floater, which is, which is a big part. A lot of things start to stream from that, that, that would be a major advantage, but that that's, that's to be seen. And that, this is going to be an excellent matchup because Darvin Ham's, I mean, if, if Darvin Ham is able to, to make adjustments for the Warriors, the amount of screening they do. I mean, the, the Nuggets are, are another beast. And that I think the Warriors get so much credit for their their off-ball movement and the creativity they have offensively when the, the Nuggets, are, I think, are they're a different style for sure, but they're equally as as impressive with the 
the kind of actions they run and how they really make defenses overthink, especially when you have Jokic quarterbacking. But I mean, they have the greatest defensive weapon. The Nuggets have the greatest offensive weapon. The Nuggets have guys who are willing to get at like Murray's going to take a million shots and he's not afraid of the moment. And the Lakers have shown that I mean, Austin Reeves is not afraid of the moment, but it's crazy to say. And I mean, this is LeBron James timing. This is, this is one of his last runs. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this, man. I, I know that you're going to see amazing LeBron games. You're going to see amazing Jokic games. You're going to see all the little things. Um, I mean, I could talk forever about, you know, all these guys. I mean, the way MPJ has stepped up in certain moments, Aaron Gordon stepped up in certain moments, and the way that all these Lakers guys have stepped up, like both these teams, this should be a seven-game series. And I, I feel I, I feel pressure to pick because it's like it's such a toss-up. But, I mean, do you have – do you where do you feel like this is going to go in seven games? I think uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take AD to win the battle with Jokic mm. and the Lakers to win it. That's what I'm gonna go for. Yeah, I, I my my prediction is that it, this comes down to AD's toughness, and I've questioned AD's toughness, and I think Jokic has has physically overpowered. He's <laughs> he uses finesse to frustrate. And his physicality to overpower all throughout the, the postseason. And it would, would take a serious shift in character for Anthony Davis for seven games to play through that physical frustration. And that that would be a major shift for me to, to see Anthony Davis do that. But I, I don't think he has it in him. I'm taking Nuggets in seven. Nice, nice. Oh, well, we're on opposite sides of it from here. So we got, but we're both going with Celtics in uh, in in Game Seven, and then we're both yeah. we're on opposite sides of it in uh, on the other side. But what about we can't we can't make a prediction there on the on Miami and uh, whoever they might face just yet. So we'll have to preview that in the future. But obviously, we're looking forward to that Sunday. What do we got? We're at eight thirty Irish time, three thirty p.m. <laughs> Eastern time for that Game Seven. If I, I assume everyone will be tuning in. That is sure to be a battle. Last Sunday's game was an absolute epic. Uh, the the 76ers winning it in a, in overtime. I expect this one to be just as tight a battle, and hopefully with Embiid and Harden producing some magic to get the to get the W for the 76ers. But until then, that's it from us for now. Thank you all so much for listening. My thanks to Chris for joining me. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, comment, give us a like. Check us out on social media. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, take every shot and love every moment.